0: Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online. Good to see you today. Um, I just remind you of the Prosper update. You saw that. Man, so many good things. So Prosper campus, shout out to you guys. We love you. Um, man, tilt wall stuff, steel's already delivered. Uh, good stuff happening. So, uh, for the summer, our quarter for the summer, it ends next week. And so we're about 100,000 away from our goal. So if you've not been a part of that, you want to jump in, uh, man, we'd love to have you a part. If you've got uh, some money in the mattress that you've been waiting for, uh, you know, to use, man, we would love to for you to rip that open and, and get it out. Um, today, very excited about today. Uh, week two in a new series we started last week called The Life You've Always Wanted. We're talking about purpose here god's purpose and, and so i want to start with uh, just a series explanation so in other words why are we doing this series if you're just now joining us maybe for the first time or or you haven't you you missed last week so this is why we're doing this series aligning and spending our lives learning to know god's purpose in every season of our lives in other words, as, as we navigate our seasons, we all have different seasons. You have your, your early life and, and your high school life, in your college life, your married life, your business life, and you know, all those things. Kids, navigating those areas and aligning yourself with God's purpose is, is a learned deal. So we're just aligning and learning how to align, learning how to learn, how to discover God's purpose in every season. Now, the text for this series and where we'll be for the next five weeks, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you, your lives. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then now see this is where we started last week. We we kind of started in the as far as um, the whole foundation for the passage or for the series. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So the this this helps us understand that God's will, or His purpose for our lives, is not like a hidden thing. It's not like He's dangling a carrot and saying, hey, this is the life I could give you, but you gotta really work for it, and then you, you know, you're trying to grab onto it. It's something that he's lined out for you. There's a pattern to this. And last week, we started this whole series with this question. Is the life you want a Jesus-surrendered life or a self-decided life? And those are two very different things. Now, before you answer that too quickly in your heart and your mind, saying, oh, no, I want Jesus' life, Well, do you? Or have we decided ourselves what kind of life we're going to live? If you're young, what college you're going to go to, who you're going to marry, what you're going to do in life, where you're going to live, and all the things that happen after that. Is it a self-decided, in other words, I think God's given me common sense, I'm just going to do what I want, or is it a Jesus-surrendered life? John 10.10, 10, Jesus said the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. So if we want a Jesus-surrendered life, this Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, which I read last week, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be, if that's our heart, then we're on our way to living in God's purpose. It's not always that we're gonna be rich, it's not always that we're gonna be uh, famous or powerful or, or whatever, but there's this understanding that, listen, I don't wanna be anywhere else but the center of God's will, the purpose for God, of God for my life. That's where I wanna be, and that's what I'm trying to help us get to because many of us think maybe in our, in our minds that's what we want, but in our actions, we, we decide things on our own. So how can we align? How can we learn to discover God's will. Well, we talked about that last week, learning to know God's will. Three points. We went through the text. Number one, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. We talked about that. Number two, allow God to transform you into an, or us into a new person by changing the way we think. And then number three, the last one we ended it with is true worship, where I to- told you we were gonna be here for the next five weeks. True worship. What does that mean? Mean, how how do we going back to that Romans passage? How do we offer up our lives? Romans 12one Let me just let's just read it again, just for the sake of reading it. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your lives, your bodies to God, because of all He's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. In other words, it's not a dead sacrifice. We're not killing ourselves and then putting us on the altar and saying, okay, no, no, no. This is a living sacrifice, holy, the kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now, for me, I, I am not the, I don't have this mind. I don't have a mechanical uh, construction, you know, know how to put things together mind. So when directions come my way, in other words, how to put things together, if it doesn't have pictures, not happening, right? I don't compute that way. I, I, in fact, I, I thank God for YouTube videos, that show you how to put things together or how to do things, because man, when I see something, I can copy, well, I, sometimes, if I have the right tools and so forth, I can copy what I see. If I don't see something, some of you, you're gifted, man. You can take an engine apart, put it back together without even looking at anything. No way, can't do that. So it helps me to have a visual. So today, well, I wanna start the, the rest of our series with a visual to help us understand, again, this worship this life of worship this giving up our lives this is the true way to worship him how can we get to that point how can we get to that alignment with god truly understanding how to worship because i think it's there's more to it than than what i th- think we think and yet it's not hard so the visual is just simple. It's just, a, this is our life. This is our life of worship. So in other words, everything that we have, everything that we are, every decision that we make, what we do, how we live, we offer it to God. If you're a businessman or woman, whatever you do for work, if you're in school, whatever you do in school, your athletics, your sports, your academics, your nothing, whatever, everything we do, we say, this is, this is my life of worship to you. And today... Where I want to start. Now, there's many things that we could put into these these areas. I know that. But I tried to think as comprehensively as I could to say, okay, so what would be the big areas of our lives that would kind of encompass all of us? So I hope this makes sense to you leading. uh, I'm not going to give you all of them today. I'm just going to give you one at a time. Today, and I know it seems like, well, that's a no-brainer. That kind of is saying what you're already saying. I want to start purposely with this. Give yourself. Now, there's two things about ourself that, I, that I, want to, I want us to acknowledge. And that is this offering up, this surrendering of or to lordship. In other words, Jesus is going to be the boss. He's going to be the leader. I'm going to follow him. He's not going to follow me, and I'm going to ask for his blessing. I'm going to follow him. Then, surrender and confess our sins. Now, I know that some of this is, I'm hoping this makes sense to you. Okay, so that's all I'll say. I'm just hoping this makes sense because it makes sense to me, and hopefully I can explain it in a way that makes sense to you. So when I say self, these two things that I want to deal with today this surrender to lordship and this surrender or confessing of sins, let's start with surrender to lordship. And here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, 23 as it relates to lordship. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You give up your selfish purpose, your goals, your dreams. Take up your cross, that means die to yourself, and follow me if you try to hang on to your life you will lose it but if you give up your life for my sake you will save it and and what do you benefit if you gain all the the power the fame the fortune the 401k the american dream what do you benefit if you gain everything the world says would be successful everything that you decide you want for life. What do you gain? What do you benefit if you gain all that you think is is what you need and lose yourself or you're destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. So this is a serious text. This is the way Jesus describes surrender lordship, this is not a, I, I got baptized when I was five and I acknowledged that I believe in Jesus, but I've never done anything with it since. This is more than cultural Christianity. And in, in what I mean by that is that, and again, I'm not saying that you don't believe. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. That's not the, really the point. But this kind of cultural Christianity which you were raised in church, your, your grandparents, uh, your parents, kind of raised in church you have a heritage of that there's in God we trust kind of faith that is kind of like well we live in America uh, I'm, I was born in Texas I'm, a, I'm from the south or even you northern or California we don't know about them but, but a lot of us no I'm kidding totally kidding love you there's this cultural type of Christianity that we just kind of believe but don't follow again I'm not judging you I'm not saying you're not going to heaven I'm just saying that there is a big difference between what Jesus describes in lordship and what some of us live. This lordship thing. So let me put it on the screen like this. Surrendering to lordship is putting our faith in what Jesus did on the cross and through his resurrection. And many of us have done that. It's taking it a step further and committing to a lifelong journey of following him. Many of us stopped right there. We believe, got confirmed, went through catechism, confirmation, came to the front, got baptized, joined a church, but you've not committed your life to a lifelong journey of following him. So let me ask you a question. Have you truly surrendered your life to Jesus? And and I'm going to come back to this question, but have have you truly made Jesus the Lord of your life? Not just a Savior. Not just, this is my way to heaven, which is true. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me, John. But are you following Jesus? Is he the Lord of your life, or or is he a, a part of your life on the weekend? There's a big difference. Let me go back to the, the, the life of worship, the, the, the circle. This is what is, this is where it starts. That we offer up ourself, put aside my selfish ambition, take up my cross, follow me, follow Jesus. That's lordship. Believing in Jesus is good, believing, and that's that's how we are made right with God. We put our faith, again, surrendering to what Jesus did on the cross and through his resurrection. But it is also a commitment to follow him, to obey, to let him lead. His purpose would prevail, not mine. His will would be done, not mine. So have you, surrendered to lordship. We'll come back to that in just a second. That's the first part of self that I wanna deal with today because that's where it all starts. You're not gonna worship the Lord without that. That's where it all starts. You bowing, confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart, God raised him from the dead, who Jesus is, you put your faith in that. That's where worship starts. Now, the other side of this And I know that we want to talk about this a lot, but it's the uh, confession side of surrendering our sin. Let's put that on the screen there. Surrendering and confessing our sin. Now, before you, I want you to hear me all the way through this part. I'm going to say some things about this that some of you may go, what, what, what? I want you to listen to me the whole way through surrendering and confessing our sins. Let me give you John's definition of sin. This is from my dictionary that I've written. Sin, actions and behaviors that keep us from God's purpose for our lives. Okay, now I wrote this in light of this series, obviously, because I'm talking about purpose. So actions and behaviors that keep us from God's best, that keep us from God's will, that keep us from God's purpose. Now, if you don't like that definition because that's a little light, let me give you the second one. It's disobeying all of God's commands, or to any of God's commands. It's, it's whatever, when you disobey, when we disobey God's commands, that's sin. That's called sin. And, and it's, it's rebellion, it's, it's doing it our way, you know, the Adam and Eve thing, the garden thing, the sin thing, what we chose to do our own way. So this, as it relates to sin, when I say confessing or surrendering and confessing our sin, this is what I mean. That behavior, those actions that keep us from God's best and that disobedience, that just like, I'm gonna do it my way. and I don't care what you say, I'm gonna do it my way. That rebellion kind of heart. It's we, in, in worshiping the Lord, in offering up our lives, we've got to offer up this part of us. Because let me ask you a question. How many of you have sinned since you believed became a follower of Jesus? How many of you have sinned? Raise your hand. That's everybody. That wasn't a trick question. That's everybody. How many have sinned multiple times since you believed? How many have sinned today already? Okay. So, thank God you're in church. <laughs> so, so we do we do this thing. So, I want you to hear me all the way through. I feel like in our culture, in this, I'm talking about Christian culture in this area. I think we have this, this again, this cultural kind of Christianity because of grace, and I teach grace, you know that. Because of grace, I can kind of do whatever I want. I can live how I want. I can make decisions. I can get drunk if I want. I can go do whatever I want to do. And, and I can just live my life and God will still love me. That is true. God will still love you. And I'm not even saying you're not a Christian. I'm saying sin keeps us from God's best and his purpose. Let me explain it like this. Romans chapter six. Same, same book that we've been in. Verse 12, I mean, chapter 12 is our text. Let's go to verse, uh, let's go to chapter 6, verse 12. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life, new life in Jesus. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God of God. See, this is our surrender of sin. We're not going to be perfect at this. You've all acknowledged that you sin multiple times, and you probably do every day and every week, and it's just like this, whoa, man, thoughts, ungodly things, actions, behaviors, traps, temptation, whatever. We're not going to be perfect at this, but this whole idea of our lives being offered, this part of our life, the sinful part of our life, the areas, the actions, behaviors that keep us from God's best, the disobedience and rebellion, we offer those things, we surrender those sins and confess those sins. 1 John chapter 1, verse eight. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Now, again, this would, in my mind, be the starting of repentance, the, the, the putting our faith in Jesus, asking him to forgive us of our sins, and, and we put our faith in what he did on the cross, and through his resurrection, we have eternal life, and we are forgiven, we are cleansed from all wickedness. See, this confessing of our sins on a regular basis, well, hear me out, on a regular basis <clears throat> helps us it, it helps us own, acknowledge, because many of us don't like to be corrected, right? None of us, I mean, I would say, a, a lot of us don't like being corrected. We don't like being called out. We don't like saying, somebody telling us, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Well, who are you to tell me what's wrong? Who, you, you know what I'm saying? None of us like that. We want you to leave us alone, and I'll do what I wanna do, and if I wanna change, I'll change. If I don't wanna change, then I won't change. You do your life, I'll do mine. Right? I mean, that's that kind of attitude. Well, when we confess our sins, this helps us own, acknowledge our sin. We confess this to the Lord this way, but we also confess this way. James chapter 5 says it like this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you will be healed. Powerful. This is why we offer Regen every Monday night at 6.30 p.m. here at the Frisco East Campus. Regeneration. One of the best forms of discipleship we have in our church. And it's not just about addiction. It's not just about you're, you're you know, in sin or whatever. There's a whole lot of reasons why you would come to Regeneration. There's, there's maybe addiction, maybe some, some control of sin. You see, I can't get out of it. I've tried. I can't get out of it. I want to confess and I want to get healed. Regen is a great way to do that. But it's if you got trusted friends who love God and love you and keep their mouth shut, then you can confess to them. How many know if you got a friend that has a big mouth, don't confess your sins to them? Right? Because they, what they'll do is they'll say, hey, pray for John, man. Oh, he's messed up. Right? You don't want to confess your sins to somebody who's going to just shout it out. You want to confess your sins to somebody you can trust. Obviously, this way, because this way to me is an acknowledgement, like I'm owning this. I know I don't want to do this. Lord, I don't want to do this. This way is, you know what, I'm going to deal with it because I can't seem to just acknowledge and get over it. I'm, I'm in it. It's controlling me. This, there's a healing that comes when we confess this way and this way. Now, one more thing. This is where I want you to stay with me. One more thing about this acknowledging or surrendering and confessing our sin. This is not, hear me out. I know some of you were raised like this, and I, I, I'm not trying to be critical of any, any way in which we were raised, but, but I want to help you to understand that surrendering our sin Acknowledging our sin, dealing with our sin, owning our sin, and confessing our sin is not about paying for it or doing some kind of penance in order to make it right. In order to atone for our sin, we do things to make it right. No. Jesus made it right on the cross once and for all. We can't make atonement for our sin. We cannot make it right. Jesus makes it right. So when I say, listen, when I say surrender your sin, when I say confess your sin, I'm not saying so that you'll feel guilty and condemned and you'll beat yourself up, say prayers over and over, do things to make it right, do more good than bad so that you can compensate for your weakness or your sin. Guys, everybody look at me. That is wrong. You and I cannot make up for our sin. Can't do more good than bad, and then that that balances it out. Can I just tell you, this is the gospel. Jesus balances it out, and only Jesus. That was a great place to say amen to some of you Baptists. It was a great place, but I guess you're asleep. That's okay. I'll say amen to myself. Jesus makes atonement for our sin. You and I don't. Romans chapter eight. Let me help you understand it this way. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Let's stop right there. No, when when you surrender your life, lordship, when you surrender your life to Jesus, there is no condemnation anymore. He has paid for your sins and mine, past, present, and future. Because how many know you sinned since you believed? How many know you're gonna sin next week? You're gonna sin in two weeks. I promise you, you can probably sin tomorrow. Some of you, I know you are. Some of you already planned on it. That's what this series is all about. There's no condemnation. So we're not, listen, when I say confess, when I say surrender your sin, it's not so that you can feel guilty and condemned and bad and beat up. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who belong to Christ because, and, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of our weakness. In other words, we could not attain. We could not perform. We could not keep the law. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have Next verse, and in that body, God declared an listen an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. Right there, that is the gospel. We're not trying to atone for. Her. We're not trying to feel guilty. We're not trying to make up for. Her. We're not trying to compensate for our weaknesses and our sins. Jesus does that, and we put our faith in what He's done. This is a. This is. Um, th- This is like a a security that we have in him that we're not so insecure all the time that, that I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. No, when you're in Jesus, when you're following Jesus and you're doing, you're not gonna be perfect, but when you're following him, you're in. There is no condemnation. He has taken away the power of sin. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the Spirit. So let me put it on the screen like this. Surrendering and confessing our sins, dealing with and owning them, is not about penance or condemnation, guilt, depression. It's about finding healing and moving towards towards God's purpose for our lives. So hear that. Many of us have this, this concept of, when I say dealing with our sins, it's like, oh yeah, gosh, I feel so guilty. And, and, and there's, there's some humanness to that. And there's some good to that in, the, in a sense that we acknowledge and know that what we're doing is wrong. Whatever that is, uh, that behavior or that action, that disobedience, that rebellion, we're acknowledging that that's wrong. That's good that we acknowledge that. But it's not to make us feel guilty. And it's not to condemn us and to make us feel beat down. It is when we ask for forgiveness, when we confess our sins, when we surrender our sins, it's it's not in, in a large way for forgiveness. We've already been forgiven. It is for healing so that we can live the life that he's purposed for us to live. Hebrews chapter 12 says it like this. Hey, get rid of the things that entangle and trip you up, the sin that slows you down. So what we're trying to do is get rid of that sin that slows us down so that we can walk in the purpose of God for our lives. So that we can receive healing and that healing word means wholeness. So that we can, spiritually speaking, we're whole. Physically speaking, we're messed up. So this continually surrendering and confessing is just helping us to get healing While we're here, while we're walking in this sinful nature, Paul says in Romans 12, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. I am messed up. That's Paul. Who will save me from this wretched life? I just feel so beat down, so the law is there and I can't attain it. I can't keep it. And that's where he goes, but thanks be to God because of Jesus. And then he goes on to chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So, the point. Guys, let's surrender that part of our lives that we don't want to talk about. Let's surrender that and say, God, it's yours. God, help me. Help me And confessing to one another brings that healing so that we can not be bogged down, slowed down by the sin in our lives. We can be free to live the life God's purpose for us. Let me put that graphic back on the screen. Guys, this is what offering ourself is all about. It's gotta start there. We gotta start with the good and the bad, the ugly, the sin. Everything I have, Lord, I surrender to your lordship. My dreams, my purpose, my goals, it's all yours, all yours. My sin, only you can make it right. And when we do that, we offer ourselves continually, surrendering to his lordship and surrendering our sin. There's a healing that comes and there's a purpose that comes. So today, I'm going to just be bold and just going to ask you across all of our campuses, right here at Frisco East, online. I want you to bow your heads, just close your eyes for a second, and I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to go back to that one question. Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Is he the Lord of your life? Have you surrendered to that giving up myself, dying to myself, and following Jesus? I think today needs to be a beginning point for some of us. Some of us maybe who've been raised in church, and we just go through the motions, we, we just live with the, the sin and we live with the, the behaviors and actions that keep us from God's best, thinking that there's nothing more I can do. Hey, what if, we, what if we just said, Lord, I wanna make you the boss, the leader of my life. Many of us have not done that. So I'm just gonna ask you across all of our campuses, if that's you, if you wanna make Jesus the Lord of your life. Would you just raise your hand and say, John, that's me, and I'm making Jesus Lord today. Raise your hand and say, that is me, yes, all over this building, yeah. I'm gonna make Jesus Lord. Guys, you do that, it's the best decision. It's not just a, a going to heaven ticket. This is a purpose ticket. This is, I'm gonna give you my life. I'm gonna die to myself, and I'm gonna live for you. And along with that good stuff, I'm gonna give you the bad too and I'm gonna give you my sin and I'm gonna give you my junk and may you make something out of my life. Lord, I pray for my friends today online at our campuses right here that decided to that today you're gonna be the Lord. It's not just a a casual cultural Christianity but I'm gonna give you my life and I'm gonna make you Lord. It's hard. It's not easy. But God, you will take our lives and give us purpose, your purpose, which is rich and satisfying. May your kingdom come and may your will be done in our lives right here, right now, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.